Hello everyone, excuse my general attire, uh, if you're watching on video, I couldn't be bothered to get dressed properly, so here we are. Today's going to be a bit of a deviation from our uh, regular politics content, if you remember I made a video uh, putting every single Smash character on the political compass, and today we're abandoning the political compass side, we're just doing Smash Bros, so uh, my guest today is Hazmat, uh, he is a esports and FGC commentator, uh, player and all-round good man, uh, primarily focusing on the game Super Smash Bros. A lot of times in the podcast, we kind of went on these like really random tangents and talked about things like Spider-Man and Lucky Charms, whatever. And if you want to hear that stuff, it's going to be at the end uh, of the episode. There'll be timestamps in the description, whether you're listening as a podcast or on video. Uh, and if you just want to hear the dumb stuff, cut to there. If you don't want to hear it, don't worry about it. There'll be a proper outro, and you can end it on there. But without further ado, let's cut back to me in the past wearing regular clothes. Take it away. Excuse me if my intro is awkward and terrible. Uh, it's it's part of the charm. I know how it is, man. You know, I, I've done ad reads, you know, for the last however many years I've been commentating. Oh. So I get Thing it. Is, I get it. But you have to do ad You have to do ad reads live, which is so much worse. This thing, I, I, I can scrap a hundred of them. You know what's funny is I I don't mind. Like mm. um, I think they're so fun. I used to get nervous because you used to like try to read it right from the paper and like <laughs> oh. They want to mess it mm -hmm. up, like all this stuff. And at the end of the day, obviously, the point is to sell and to promote whatever the product is. If some some sponsors are a little stricter, you know yeah. what they expect, or, or their expectations are a little higher. Like, but if they're if they're pretty loose with it, that's how I'm going to be too. And it's like, look, I know what the products are, I know what the tournaments are, I know how to sell them, I know mm -hmm. what I'm saying. And it's turned into a fun thing where they're like, hey, here are all the ads, and I'm like, hey, I'm not reading those. Uh, so that's like, don't <laughs> show this. If you could block mm -hmm. Gimmer from this stream specifically, that would be great. Yeah. But stuff like Metify, uh, especially since I work with them, I'm no, like, totally. dude, I want to plug. Like, I, I really do enjoy them. Regardless of what they say, I have honest, and you can't get this in marketing very easily, but mm -hmm. honest testimonies about how much you actually like and enjoy a product or a service is amazing. So that's always what I try to go off of for um, tournaments or products I've used before. So it's, it's turned into like this fun thing where I just try to like, yeah. make it up rather than like you know mm -hmm. be a robot and you know yeah i think like I, uh, texas speech yeah i think for like a lot of smash tournaments as well i think we'll definitely get onto this later talking about like um smash compared to other esports but like pretty much all the sponsors on every vg bootcamp or every stream really are like smashbox metify uh it's normally very like integral things to gaming you know obviously especially like an fgc guy like yourself you know what a smashbox is yeah. um whereas you tune into like i don't know fortnite cod whatever it's like more general and you get like an energy drink or like a bit more random and i guess like having a bit less like wide exposure in that sense as it sort of keeps it like more contained and makes it a lot easier and more like I, when i when it's the vg bootcamp on ads like whenever it's anything else i'll always like mute ad i chill but normally uh, especially if it's a commentator i like um i'll like i'll just leave it on i'm chilling that's so obviously i always mute yours but um no no reason why <laughs> and the the thing with the what you're saying too is interesting because i mean that's just the two dynamics of two very different scenes right it mm -hmm. makes sense that the smash ads are more grassroots and they're more close to home and like local kind of feeling whereas the bigger esports scenes it makes sense that they'd be reaching out have a further reach and maybe not things that are quite so personal to their own esport right mm -hmm. That, yeah. that makes sense to me. It's something no, totally. I never really thought about, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So one thing that's really common <laughs> that I've noticed in terms of Smash commentary is people have, or at least like commentators and just people talking about the game in general, have a very natural defensive speaking style. And what I mean by that is there's constant like covering of your back all the time. Uh, so like a classic example is like um, a lot of time a commentator will say, oh, um, I don't know, I'll pull a random player out of my head. Goblins rolled a couple times in this last case. Maybe Mars will pit stop, you know, punishing that habit. And then they have to go, oh, but obviously Goblin's a great player in his own right. And I'm I'm sort of interested, <laughs> like, obviously that's an exaggeration, wow. but is this, do you think this is something that people consciously do? Is it like a defense against the, the nightmare that's Twitter? Or is it is it no, just that, a genuine, like, I don't want to piss anyone off? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think like, you know, as a commentator, your job, uh, first and foremost, above anything else is to, um, to me, it's about, if you're doing that, you're thinking about an individual person, like if Goblin goes back and watches it, like, and he, I love Goblin, by the way, and Just now I'm defending the first myself, that right? came in my head. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. He would never, you know, do anything like this. But if you're thinking like, man, I don't want to upset this top player or whatever, mm -hmm. you're already you're off, you're off track already. You know yeah. what I mean? Like as a commentator, your job is to 
represent what's happening on the screen in an entertaining and digestible way. Um, recently, a set that I did that in was when Leia was playing against Mars. And over and over, I kept calling out. I'm like, dude, he's neutral getting up all the time. And it's not even anything to say. The, the way that you fix that isn't to immediately backpedal and say, not that he's not that neutral getting yeah, up is yeah. you know, the sign he's of bad. a bad player. <laughs> but what you do, and I saw actually somebody tweeted that I did a really good job saying um, impartial during that set, which is incredibly hard when it's Mars or light or any of those kids I watched, you know, grow up and become serious competitors mm -hmm. in the smash scene. It's hard to tweak anybody I, I really know and care about. It's just, it's difficult to be on commentary and be in that position, but it does, everything else doesn't matter when you're a commentator and you're in that position, you need to set your biases aside and you need to not worry about that stuff and tell the story that's happening in front of you. Mm -hmm. Why do these things matter? Why is it important? So what if goblins rolling a lot? What does that mean? You could also spin it and say, maybe it's the other player's fault for not catching it. Like, is that, does that mean you're talking shit about that player too? Like there's so many different mm -hmm. ways to spin it, but as a commentator, if you notice a habit and you point it out, it can play a part of the story of the set that you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really important. Like I can point something out, but as mm -hmm. long as, what are you driving at really? Are you trying to say that this player fucking sucks? Like, is mm -hmm. that your message? Yeah. That's kind of weird, you know? Mm -hmm. But if your point is, here's a habit for this player, watch out, it might play, you know, into effect later. Like during that Mars Leia set, I had no idea that his neutral get up would ultimately be his demise. And mm -hmm. that paid off big time. Like, it's like, wow, this commentator kind of noticed this habit and Coney too. Coney was like, yes. Like, and he, you know, got to give your co-commentator shout outs too. Cause he also played into it. He's like, yes, that is a habit that he's doing. Like he mm -hmm. had my back. Um, and then ultimately it's why he lost the set. And also like, you just don't neutral get up against zero. Three. like, that's been a rule for <laughs> as long as I can remember. It's a classic. Um, and then it became a bit where I was like linking my metafy and like all this stuff. And that's not to say that Leia is a bad player mm -hmm. or that he played like shit. It's like, he was just making this one mistake over and over again. It's like, if you're watching uh, a baseball game or sorry soccer football right if you see a player they make a, a misplay or they make an error if the commentator goes they made an error they're not saying wow what an idiot yeah. he sucks like you know when he gets blown up on twitter by that player it's just like yeah that's what happened you know it's all about it's not really about um what you're saying it's how you say it right so there are mm -hmm. so many different ways to point out mistakes uh in ways that are productive to the story that you're trying to tell in commentary but mm -hmm. there are also plenty of ways um, where you can yeah. sound kind of like a jerk and mm -hmm. I've experienced like both sides where it's like wow that was a really good call out um, you know you were catching on to this player's habits and that made it like a fun viewing experience and mm -hmm. um, what I try to do in commentary is try to make viewers um, regardless of their skill level of the game make them feel like they're like a step ahead or make them yeah. feel like they they are understanding things at a very deep level like it mm -hmm. kind of makes them feel smart you know as viewers like oh i knew that was coming i knew that was coming because you know mm -hmm. the commentator led me down uh this path is always kind of what i try to do on top of being entertaining and everything else um mm -hmm. so with that i think that if that's my goal if someone gets you know if people get offended by that stuff it's like maybe you can reevaluate how you say it but as long as you have good intentions it's like just try your best and then clean up the language afterwards if you need to would be my yeah answer. One, and one thing I'm interested in, right, and it's something that I've thought about a lot since, uh, I think you talked about it on Tweak Talks, but you only briefly like touched on it, is, and you used it a lot in when you were just, just, just talking there, the, the idea of the story or like the narrative. Uh, and I was, I was interested in like, when you say, you know, t telling the story of the set, how does that sort of like play out in practice? What does that mean? And do you think this is sort of a way to elevate commentary above, you know, the like, um, what I guess your average person would do, which is just say what they're saying? Definitely. Yeah. No, I think that's a great question. Uh, so when it comes to, I think people get lost in commentary. Like they try to do too many things at once. They try mm -hmm. to be very funny or be very analytical or be, you know, one way or the other spit out frame data, you know, do whatever they want. When the bottom line is your job is to deliver an entertaining um, piece. You know what I mean? You're there to um, keep people tuned in um, to tell people what's going on and why they should care about things. It's always like the most important thing is why you're sitting there and you're telling me, wow, uh, that was uh, a, th a frame three up tilt. All right. Why does that matter? Like you can't just say that. And that's why I think sometimes like with the frame data stuff, it's easier to leave it to more general language because people get caught up in like the, mm -hmm. if I'm a brand new viewer, you got to understand like, when you're when you're commentating at a major it, it's all contextual right if you're mm -hmm. commentating your local and there's like 60 70 people watching you probably assume all of them are from the local scene and probably have seen you know these players or whatever before 
when you commentate at a major, the bigger levels, you got to understand that there are people who are tuning in. Um, there we go. There are people who are tuning in who have never really seen the game at a competitive level before and might just kind of be interested in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So when there are people from the spectrum of I barely play this game or I only watch this game. I never play it to, I am a top level competitive player. There's a huge spectrum that you have to try to cover. Um, So in terms of what you can do with that is no matter what you can explain the story, the story is the same to both of them. Um, Why is the set important? Like why is the most important question? You know what I mean? You can look at a set and say, um that was a nice nair and a flip kick it's like yeah but why did it just put mm-hmm. him ahead two stocks now there's a huge deficit did it yeah. start closing the gap you know you really need to explain um not just what's happening but why it's so important is is i think what a lot of commentators miss um off the rip in my opinion they get mm-hmm. they get lost in the sauce a little bit <laughs> yeah it's interesting i think it's sort of it's, it's it's it goes into sort of the two ways people view the game and i think your two type of almost like player um where there is like the analytical side there is you know this is a frame free up tilt this means when this move is frame six minus should win that sort of thing and then there is you know the smash is like jazz crowd where it's like it feels it you know people feel it out uh more and it's it's more about the mental side of the game and i think um at least for me i think uh starting to watch the game and care more about sort of the competitive scene i think the mental side of it i always found more interesting because i think for example the concept of ha- someone having a habit is more interesting when you think of it as, okay, these two people are probably around the same technical level. Most top players probably are. What's the game is about, you know, they're, they're like more about their mental side and their reactions and sort of the minutia. Um, and I'm interested in sort of when you're commentating at like a, a, a very top level, how much you would tend to focus on like, the mentality, like looking at the body language of the players, their history of sort of of, of maybe attitude or adaptation. You know, how much is that present in your mind when you're commentating, rather than just the pretty colors of the characters moving, which is always what I'm distracted by. <laughs> it's very distracting, to be fair. It's very easy to fall into that trap. It's a very nice looking game, honestly. When it comes to what to focus on, um, it's always about the bigger picture with me because in a match, so much happens, and there's so much that um, can happen throughout a match. So matches are both players sit there perfectly still. They play, and that's the end of it, and that's it. But when they get animated in their chairs, when things start happening, you really need to pay attention. I think the thing about commentary that's so important is everyone talks about how it's uh, mostly a, a talking or, or speaking skill. It is very much about observation, too, which means listening, not just to the game, but also to your co-commentator and the story they're trying to tell. Because as much as we're talking about commentary, we're talking about it on a very indi- individual basis right now, mm-hmm. but you're always playing off of someone else too, which is you got to be able to do that. You have to be able to have a conversation basically, which means listening as in paying attention, um, not just to the game, but also to your co-commentator and to everything else mm-hmm. too. So there are moments in Smash history that are very funny or very interesting and the commentators don't say anything about it. Players pop off in their chair. It's gotten better obviously, but there are times mm-hmm. where just like, they're talking about something that has nothing to do with what's going on on the screen. And a lot of, I do commentary coaching on Medify and probably my number one piece of feedback is that people don't adapt and react. Like they're too focused on themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, they'll be talking about a matchup. They'll be talking about how Shulk versus Zero Suit is an XY matchup. And while they're talking about um, Shulk's aerials being slow and Zero Suit's dash on the ground, it, the zero suit just dumpstered the shulk you know mm-hmm. what i mean the stock's gone but they're still sitting there talking about the the match it's like dude you gotta and there are times where there's downtime where people are camping and sitting back and that's where you get a little more analytical but i think where people can focus their efforts on being more present and being more in the moment and being able to take that moment and send it back to the people at home uh so they have something to enjoy right mm-hmm. was, that was the hardest thing about um going to online commentary was I love, I, and I never knew this. I never knew this because it never really happened, but I, I never realized how much, I guess this is kind of funny to say in hindsight, how much I loved being there and capturing mm-hmm. the feeling of the crowd and the environment and the players. And, you know, we got a lot of passionate players uh, that react and they got uh, a lot invested in this and in themselves and they're putting themselves out there. Uh, you know, Cola's popping off, Mars, like all these guys, they mm-hmm. have good per- light, like they all have really good personalities. Um, and there's just so much going on that, needs to be talked about and like you said how do you focus on the right thing 
Some of that is just really what is the most important thing to the overall story of this set and therefore the tournament, right? Like, why mm -hmm. is this so important? What makes it interesting and entertaining? So you might miss some opportunities to talk about some golden stuff if you're not really paying attention. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a really interesting uh, way of looking at really good advice. I think, like, uh, one thing I'm also interested to do is sort of compare, um, like, esports commentary, smash commentary to, I guess, you know, sports commentary, be it, you know, American football, be it soccer, that um be it baseball <laughs> uh or rounders is what we have with the tiny there we go. um <laughs> and it, i think it touches on sort of um a couple of like my pet peeves watching smash commentary welcome to the hating on smash commentators hour oh boy uh, one you didn't tell me this was coming up what the heck <laughs> not you not you it's exclusively has okay. oh okay yeah, <laughs> no, we'll see yeah we'll one see. of them one of them which i think is um one of them isn't smash commentary it's just twitch in general is Clip that, clip that, clip that, clip that, clip that. Oh, I yeah. hate when a, something funny <laughs> happens and someone goes, clip that. I'm like, no, I want to, no, I want to see what's to. happening. The idea of uh, like the suspension of disbelief, being, being able to keep engaged and like hooked in the story, you know, if you're watching on Twitch as if you're right in the crowd or as if, you know, you're someone who is really invested in it. And I'm sort of interested in how, how much you'd sort of value the idea of like, I guess, holding attention or a suspension of disbelief. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. We talked about it a little bit. I did a stream with um, G-Pick and Koopa talking about commentary and just like some questions, you know, taking fielding questions from chat. We do it like once a year. It's a pretty oh, fun right. stream, actually, where we just talk about commentary stuff. It, the VOD's on my Twitch. If you're ever interested, I could send it to you. But um, I, I like what you said, because to me, commentators should always be complimentary to the stream and not like a main kind of presence. Mm -hmm. Like when I really start noticing, I'm like this commentator, you know what something, I mean, you talk about commentator pet peeves. I always notice when someone starts talking about, man, and I'm doing it right now as a thing, but I, Hey, this is an interview. So this <laughs> makes sense. But when people start talking about um themselves when really let's let's be real like the stream is about the two people mm -hmm. who are playing and even more so the people running the tournament and all that other stuff right commentators were supposed to be complimentary you know what yeah. i mean that's how i feel there are moments obviously where you could be funny and stand out and do all that stuff but forcing the moment is when mm -hmm. i'm like why am i hearing x when y is on the screen you know what i mean like there's just sometimes mm -hmm. that stands out to me and i think that's again just in terms of paying attention to the stream and just calling out what is going on and, and calling the action i think that's where you're kind of seeing that divide there's mm -hmm. a lot of people like it's very rare or it ends up on blooper reels where commentators in baseball like talk about themselves you know like mm -hmm. oh i had an ice cream for lunch yeah. or whatever <laughs> like oh you you goof oh you goofball you know <laughs> you, like, you wacky guy but, Exactly. But it is interesting because we are in a very similar but very different environment, too, because people from commentary have their own channels and their own uh, voices in the community. And they are somebody in the community. Commentators for if you turn into a Yankees game or whatever, that's it. They're, they're done. And well, they, they might do other stuff. on Yeah. Channel yeah. And all that stuff. But people are trying to make a name for themselves in, in commentary mm -hmm. is, is, I think, a big dynamic. And I do think um the twitch chat element of it is huge because you can see the real reaction you can see there's no laugh track there's mm -hmm. actual people you tell a joke and it sucks man they're gonna let they're gonna let you know they're gonna let you know you tell a joke and it's funny and the low w start rolling in very very mm -hmm. satisfying a lot of serotonin all that good stuff starts rolling in uh instantly you know so mm -hmm. the ability to interact with the audience is is pretty new, honestly. I mean, you yeah. look at sitcoms and classic cable television, they record a season, put it out there, and then there's ratings after the fact. You get ratings during, you know yeah. what I mean? That's when you get ratings. Mm -hmm. You see your phone light up or all that stuff, you know, you're getting Twitter followers, all that shit, mm -hmm. which in my opinion does also encourage people to make things more about themselves than yeah. about the cast itself. Because if you mm -hmm. are funny and you are outgoing and you are outstanding in some way, people are more likely to think you're interesting and follow you and give you that mm -hmm. reinforcement. So it's this interesting dynamic where it's good uh, on one hand, because it will attract um, personalities who are interesting and outgoing and have a, you know, a lot to say or are opinionated, you know, in some way or another. Whereas the other part that is mm -hmm. kind of a downer is that you can lose sight of what's actually important, which to me is always the players and the scene and the context of the match and all that, all mm -hmm. that stuff. So and I think it may, maybe that also sort of plays into the idea of like uh, the meme of the, uh, you know, O2 or to commentary pipeline, um, which I am, <laughs> I am the greatest definition of. 
Um, oh no! The best, the you best... gotta play. No, 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 I've got O2. You got a little confidence. A couple of times. A couple of times. Maybe, maybe a few times. You know, That's maybe okay. maybe my me brawler wasn't schmoovin' that day. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't. I I have to say too, O2 are my favorite people in the scene. I've I've said it forever. Like <laughs> they really are because without without O2ers there is no scene. And not only that, but without O2ers, those people who go two two or go three two, they're the O2ers now. And okay. are they? gonna stick around and do it o2ers mm-hmm. to me are people who truly love and care about the scene like they're just there to have a good time and to enjoy it a fan of a top player commentator whatever just mm-hmm. a tournament series or just the game um truly i i that's like no bullshit is i've always thought that about back when i played fighting games they were called pot monsters which is funny because yeah. they they fill the pot that's it you're a pot monster you know and oh, it's always been so, like that and that's so horrible it's, it's, <laughs> i know it, it's gotten a lot better right a pot monster it's so funny that's, that's so, so funny. old FGC terminology, but <laughs> pop monster is so funny. Like you That's don't want so it to be good. a pop monster. You don't want to be a pop monster, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's, a, I think we're, it seems to have grown a lot too, where if you were going O2, there's a chance that you were like one out of 20 people that did very poorly. Now it's like, well, it's one out of like 200 people who didn't do very well, you know, like that's not that big of a deal. Um, so I think like the way the scenes are evolving and going, um, and the way that people are, are viewing things, I think it's been on an upward trend that being an O2er isn't the worst thing in the world. Like, is it really that bad to not be that great at Smash? If you just, a lot of people have hobbies and they just play them and like, mm-hmm. they just enjoy them. Like <laughs> I, I, I could go out, I don't know, uh, and, and row a boat and just like suck at it. You know, I could go mm-hmm. out and try to kayak and I'm not great at it, but it doesn't mean that some Olympic uh, Olympian kayaker is going to walk by and be like, you, you suck, man. Like get better, you know, get good kid. Get good. It's like, no, man, what? I'm just, you know, I'm just here rowing a boat. This, um, this, this section that, of the yeah. video is going to be called uh hazmat hazmat therapy hour for all the O2ers. Everyone wants to improve and get better. And everyone starts in a certain spot. You know, no one was as good as they are at their peak without, improving like there's Mm -hmm. always a process there and that's really to me what the scene is about which is another reason i love o2ers is the scene is there for you to learn more about yourself and to better yourself as like a human being um through competition obviously is good but there's so many other avenues for it you have artists you have Mm -hmm. uh, tournament organizers commentators there's ways to gain confidence and ways to learn more about yourself and, and get friends uh and do all this really important stuff for yourself as a human being like to me that's what the scene is really about like the competition's amazing obviously and i love watching the top players do their things and they're the big storylines but the real thing is your time in the community is is yours and you should use it as an opportunity to have fun and to grow yourself and better yourself as a person like it's just that's mm-hmm. a real opportunity that you have that the scene presents to everybody which is what i love about it and the scene really does give anybody a chance to be somebody which i think is not uh, common for every scene out there you know mm-hmm. so it, it's anybody can can yeah. do really well and with all the different avenues and in, in smash and, and esports mm-hmm. like, in my opinion yeah i'd say, I'd say that's like a positive outlook on the scene and of smash in general a positive outlook i would say it's pretty, pretty unique actually how much do you think like you know scene leaders like you know commentators like yourself top players uh casters tos how much do you think that their attitude and the way they view for the scene can influence and, and build it as it goes on how much influence you may have in, in forming a good culture it's huge. It's huge because a lot of people, uh, it's just like anything else. If you don't know as much as someone else and they tell you something, you're probably going to listen to them. I mean, mm-hmm. you should obviously in, in all cases, test things out and check on everything and whatever. But when players and the one I see that I really hate is when players say that they hate ultimate and that ultimate sucks, but they're a top player in the game. And I'm like, man, you can't do that. Like, that's just not good, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just not a good outlook for yourself as a competitor, in my opinion. And it's also just not, good for people who sit there and are fans of you because if you're sitting there saying this game sucks and they really like you and they really like the game how are they supposed to feel about that you know what are they supposed to do with that it's a little Mm -hmm. complex at that point and don't get me wrong there are plenty of fine things to complain about with any game anything you do you can complain about Mm -hmm. but at the same time i just don't think it's healthy to put out there you know certain opinions that will influence the way people see uh, the game itself. And then also our scene too. like smashers are always complaining. Smashers are mm-hmm. coming from the FTC. Smashers are soft, right. <laughs> to put it in, in a nice esports way, you know, it was like um, back when I was playing uh, third strike was really my first competitive game when I was a little kid. 
Um, but it was like, I had my group of FGC friends. They were all, they were my cousin's friends. They were all older than me. And they were like, you can't play smash the games for babies. Like they don't have inputs, you know, and this is putting it nicely, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, clean it up. Uh, so no playing smash, but I would sneak away and I'd play it. Cause I really like the game. And I think that's like the first thing that everyone gets into is you really like the game. So you want to play it. So as top players and top reps, um, and even things like tier lists, like you put out a tier list and that's why they hit so hard. That's why they're always the best content is because everyone mm-hmm. wants to discuss opinions and like share their own basically. So it's good content, but I think people just need to be careful um, with at least how negative they can get without providing like real feedback. Like I was, instead of saying something like, Ultimate sucks. I hate this game, right? Something mm-hmm. more constructive is like, man, I really wish that we could change um, the whole buffer in Ultimate, right? Like the controller buffer, the buffer system in Ultimate. Yeah, yeah. Wish that, wish that could change, you know? And everyone could be like, yeah, I wish so too. Like, cool. Anyway, it can't. So see ya. Like, that's, mm-hmm. we're moving on. Like, that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, so stuff like that. I think people, there's a way to, it depends on what your goals are too. Like, are you just trying to get Twitter riled up for the day? All right, go mm-hmm. ahead. Are yeah. you trying to get some constructive feedback or have a real conversation? Two very different things, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, and I think with that too, it's something I really don't envy because I'm definitely, you know, of an older generation for sure. Um, a lot of these kids in Smash, like they're 16, 17 years old and they have 30, 40,000 followers. And it's like, you have one bad day, dude, as a yeah. teenager, you're going to have bad days. You know what yeah. I mean? And then you get on Twitter and you say, you're just mad. So you say something angry mm-hmm. and then everyone gets mad at you. And it's like, it's just this, it's this crazy pressure that, you know, I'm glad I never really had to deal with as a kid, you know, um, that's just, there's so many eyes on you all the time now. And I just, mm-hmm. I feel for these, you know, on one hand, it's tough, but on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of good that can come from it too. You know, a lot of eyes on you, you get used to the pressure, you thrive under the pressure, like some players do. It's amazing. And you can really build a platform for yourself and, and kind of thrive. So there's, mm-hmm. there's two sides to it, obviously. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting juxtaposition when you look at the esports because there's like there's like there's, there's the two competing attitudes. For uh, a lot of people, this game is just fun. Have the other side, which is the glory, the winning, uh, and all the sort of like stuff that we've we've added into it as a community. You know, the the, the glory and all that. Um, and there's that sort of like mesh in the middle where it's like there's players like me who aren't going to win anything anytime and just have fun. There are players who will win locals. They're never really going to make them. Well, they might not be making like the tippity top anytime soon, but they have that mindset of that, you know, everything is, it's, it's do or die all the time. And then there is the very top where for a lot of these people, you know, it is, it's, it's their jobs. And I, I'm sort of interested in like how you think maybe different perspectives on the game can sort of change a community. And, I, and one thing I'm interested to link this to is like the infamous devil that is Twitch chat. Uh, personally watching a stream, <laughs> I always hide it. I, I don't like looking at it. I find yep. people annoying. Um, and I, I'm sort of interested in how you think, you know, obviously it's a bit of a meander, but how you see the community sort of manifesting itself in the in the hive mind that is... is, is- yeah, it, Twitch is, it's very interesting. And more people have been talking about it recently, or I feel like I've been getting more questions about it. Um, mm-hmm. Some commentators, same thing. They just, you know, refuse to look at Twitch chat or whatever they say is bad and, and wrong. Um, and sure, like, go ahead. That's fine. That's a fine opinion to have. I do disagree though. Um, <laughs> there are times where I've opened Twitch chat and I've seen awful shit being said about myself or my co-commentator, whatever mm-hmm. that happens. Those the mods got to do their jobs, ban them, get yeah. them out of there, all that good stuff. So there are times where Twitch is to be ignored and to mm-hmm. be uh, something that you don't deal with. But I have also, it's like chat is full of thousands and thousands of different people. Some yeah. of them are just there to, be mean to you like that's some of them you know it's just like it's mm-hmm. like walking to work or something or walking to school or whatever you do someone might just be a dick to you yeah, like that's someone's possible. just an asshole then, exactly oh all the time oh especially in chat like it can happen but a lot of people in chat i feel like and most people in chat are just there to watch and have a good time and, and drop some little w's and and <laughs> some you know buzz emotes and all that shit like most of them are subs to top players and all that other stuff mm-hmm. buzz some of the best emotes in the game too i have to say so good um and i have through watching vods of myself and watching commentary um just to get better and to see what worked chat is right there like if mm-hmm. i tell a joke like i said before if i tell a joke and it kills i'm gonna know if i say something and it was wrong on commentary if i do some analysis stuff wrong and someone says like that is wrong you got to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of contextualize it too. Like, did this person just say that because they're 
uh, a character main that has an out there opinion, maybe, but there's ways that you could do and analyze whatever chat tells you, and then you can digest that information. And I think that's one of the best skills I've learned um, through commentary is how to go through a lot of information quickly and pick out the bits that actually matter and then apply it to my own commentary. Cause there are things that have been dropped in chat by like random viewer. Why? And then I was like, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe I do mm -hmm. talk a little too fast when I do X, Y, and Z. And then I slowed it down and it felt a lot better. And it's like, all right, there are other times where they just say, uh, I hate this guy's beard. He has a stupid laugh. It's like, all right, well, I can't do really a whole lot about either of those things. So, they, you know, you're going to have to hold that one chat. Um, they can't hate your beard. They can't hate that beard. Know. That's a great beard. <laughs> from, from a fellow thank you I appreciate from a fellow <laughs> from a fellow partaker of the beard yeah, yeah, man. that's what's up well, it's, it's yeah. just yeah so so for me i think chat is it's a lot of data coming at you very quickly mm -hmm. um but a lot of commentators i talk to go yeah i just ignore it i'm like i think there's good information in there too though i think mm -hmm. there's something to be said like and commentators won't say that if they look at chat and there's a ton of people laughing at their jokes or whatever, you yeah. know, or if they say that was really good analysis. So I feel like chat has the ability to be a very negative presence, but also a very positive uh, presence as well um, in your commentary. And I mean, really, that's who you're talking to. That's your audience right there. You have a live plug right to them. Mm -hmm. um, not all of them should be able to type to chat. That's one thing. Not all of them. <laughs> but the ones that do in their productive, you know, member, they're productive members of chat society, right? I love those members of chat that laugh <laughs> with jokes and um, say true to commentary mm -hmm. and are just a part of the experience because those chatters are a part of the experience for people who are also chatting or just lurking and commentators. Like it's all mm -hmm. part of the ecosystem, which is very yeah. interesting. It's a very interesting dynamic, to be honest with you. Um, and I've thought about it more in the last couple of weeks than I ever have because I, this is, I, I'm rare, but I like having chat open um, mm -hmm. during yeah. commentary because I've learned to filter out most of the bad, like, what, it's just, you know, yeah, you're an idiot, like, just move on, like, it's not going to hold me up, but mm -hmm. I do like to know if I'm saying a player's name wrong, chat will let me know, they'll be like, yeah. hey, actually, it's, it's, it's the, whatever, it's a different, it's different pronunciation. Oh, okay, thanks, chat. Appreciate that. And mm -hmm. chat loves when you talk to them. When you engage with chat, they love that stuff. And why wouldn't you? You know, I always, if you've noticed, my new opening when I do commentary is, What up, chat? Like yep. every time I'm like, Classic. What's up, chat? You know, what's going on, chat? What's up, it, chat? it always you makes know? me feel it's, so fuzzy. <laughs> it's a little more personal, right? Like it's, and it's because what I realized is, dude, I'm chat sometimes. Sometimes when I was chat and let's make big moves, I just sat there and watched Twitch. Mm -hmm. I was chat. So what if someone say, What up, chat? There I am, you know, like it's that's just, nice. it's kind of nice, you know? So I think, and that's the one thing is I feel like a lot of commentators say, I never look at chat. I never listen to them. I'm like, dude, you are chat sometimes. You're not above them. You're not above them. You're not. I, you know, I'll be in there with chat. I'm with chat. I'm mm -hmm. one of them, you know? Uh, so, and it's like, you're not that different. Well, from like, they're yeah, very extreme yeah. outliers, obviously that you're not, but you know, yeah. in spirit, you're going to be mm -hmm. a part of chat sometimes. So it's it interesting because it I think, I think it is one of the strongest, I guess what it probably is, like one of the strongest signifiers or differences between uh, your more traditional forms of commentary, you know, like like your mainstream sports and then what you have in esports because, you know, being able to have that direct line to an audience is really interesting. Um, and I think, you know, this is my corporate segue. Uh, not a sponsor. I don't know why I said corporate. I meant to say like, like, like professional segue. That's the term. Professional segue. I want to talk about. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, welcome everyone. Welcome to Metify Hazmat. Uh, Metify no, Twitch.tv slash Hazmat with two T's. <laughs> All right, guys. You already know what it is. Get your hit boxes ready. Oh, you God. got the three buttons on the side, the two on the front. You know, just like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to resist myself. You want to take care of your life. hands and take care of your <laughs> Doing my like full like YouTuber like yeah, like dude. like pretend I say that as if I'm not one. My like over exaggerated intro where it's like, what is up everyone? Welcome back to the <laughs> so as fast as like humanly can. <laughs> anyway, we've talked a little bit on like the difference between like you know other FGCs, uh, fighting game communities, and uh, Smash Bros. Uh, and I'm interested in sort of where and we've talked about you know the way that Smash scene has developed and where it is today. I'm interested in seeing like compared to other FGCs. You know, obviously they, like we said, they have a lot more like. Um, there's more official sponsors involved and there's often like grander set pieces and i think smash has started slowly going in that direction you know uh in in you know my region in europe uh, specifically in france you know a top eight was hosted in a goddamn football stadium uh so dope 
awesome. Um, shout out to really whoever cool. the hell got that sorted. Incredible. And then there's like, for example, you know, Panda Panda recently <laughs> uh, announced their um, their series of Nintendo that's going to be coming up. I'm interested in sort of where you see the Smash scene developing into the future. Uh, you know, I, do you see it sort of becoming more uh, uh, mainstream and like greater, you know, and more like sort of jack full of cash, uh, or, or do you see it sort of continuing on its way? And what would this do in the future? You know, I think specifically the Nintendo t- uh, series is really interesting. How do you think this could change and develop the scene going forwards? I think there's a couple of huge factors here. And I think the first one is the popularity of ultimate is through the roof. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever really seen a smash game this popular. Um, I mean, on the esports side of things, yeah, melee like does really good Twitch numbers for tournaments and all that stuff. And that's great. And I, I love the melee scene and all that good stuff. But in terms of like a casual or an interested player base, ultimate mm-hmm. is just huge. And a part of that is the reach of characters that they have in it is just crazy. Like, in order to get people to want to play your games, if you have a character from a game that you already like and love, like from a beloved series, it's huge. Mm-hmm. So you get characters like like Steve was one of the biggest oh. things to happen to Smash Ultimate. It really was, regardless of how uh, my boomer ass feels about it. You know, <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't for me, and not all DLC is for everybody, off. right? Yeah, see, a lot of people were, and that's cool. I respect that. I popped up for Terry. I'm sure you were like, who the hell is this guy in jeans and a pony? That was like, right? that was around just like, I'd start playing the game, but I wasn't fully following it. So I was like, I didn't see the reveal, but I was like, oh, cool. A new character's coming out. And I, it, like, I never really, I, I remember opening it and I was like, oh, I don't really like playing him, but he looks cool. And I found him funny. So I was always yeah. quite happy about Terry, actually. See, they did a good job. Yeah, that was the thing. Even like, Min Min never played ARMS, don't care about the game, but I was like, she's a cool character. Like, I... Don't love her in Smash in terms of like fighting against her, but I loved her trailer and like her design and stuff. Yeah. I was like, she's cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um. So the reach of the game is huge, and I, I think, a part of why we're seeing so much growth, is the popularity of the game itself. But then also the scene is getting smarter, and we're getting more people involved that also know what they're doing. Like you said, the EU scene blowing up has been one of my favorite things to happen over the last couple of years. It's been awesome. Mm. Like I said, I love a good morning movie. I love a morning tournament. EU does that for me. I wake up, cup of coffee at nine <laughs> o'clock in the morning, top eight, give me Gluto, baby, you know, line it up. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. What if Americans <laughs> are there, that. you know, all this. And they've been flying people out. Like connecting the scenes has been huge mm-hmm. um, too. We saw it with tournaments like Frostbite, who prioritized getting the Japanese players out there and getting them more exposure. It kind of made the world smaller for us because we were more connected to everyone, but also bigger in a sense where it's like, wow, I really care about a lot of people across this planet who are playing Mm -hmm. this game. That's so amazing. Um, So looking at that, popularity of the game, the scene itself growing and having people in the right TOs, honestly, like doing the right stuff and the right things and connecting. Um, players having bigger platforms and reaching more people is also huge and same with the commentators or any personality in the scene um just ultimate being a good and fun game like there are so many casual more casual uh youtubers and streamers and stuff who play ultimate just because it's fun like i've seen ludwig play ultimate i don't think he ever played oh yeah he did actually play a little smash Four. but like Mizkif, um alpha rad huge for the ultimate scene because he bridges the casual side and Mm -hmm. the competitive side sure um that's that's my dude right there i love alpha red he's great um coney like any of these guys uh, tkee are huge reps of our scene and all that good stuff so Mm -hmm. um the platforms we have are huge the game is huge and as we start building it it, it's starting to all come together obviously one of the biggest hurdles has always been developer support um which is tough because obviously i to be honest with you i get nintendo's position um, it's tough to invest into a scene. Like, what is their return on investment? They've mm-hmm. already sold these games and these consoles yeah. to pretty much everyone just because the game's so damn good, right? Like, in terms of return on investment for them, I think that's a hard, that's where we reach a hard line where it's like games like Street Fighter and games like Guilty Gear need to be a part of the community in mm-hmm. order to sell games in order to do well. Yeah. Right? Nintendo, like, to put it kind of bluntly, they don't really need us. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't really need us. And for what it's worth and what we've proven, we don't need them. We're, we're great. And for, I hate to say it, but they, they, you know, put us in a position where we had to figure everything out for ourselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have grown up in the scene um, and have become stronger uh, and smarter people for it. Like it, it helped them out to grow as people. Not that you want to put people through that, obviously now that Nintendo's in this position, like this is a huge step for all of us in the right direction, which is awesome. Um, obviously we need to see, 
uh, what exactly it means. We don't have a ton of details on the circuit, but the fact that mm -hmm. they're willing to put their name next to our communities yeah. is just an amazing start uh, for a lot of different reasons. So we'll see what it really means. I, I trust Panda a lot too. I mean, you want to talk about big platforms. Panda has been enormous and they are a grassroots smash scene. So shout out to Alan and all those guys over there. Jo my man, Josh, I love Josh. And obviously all the players and everyone on there too, but the, the organization that really made it happen is amazing and vg like so many big yeah. organizations that just make smash content accessible so important like i recently wanted to start playing tekken 7 a little bit more and going from you know where i am in the smash scene like i know i know everyone and i know yeah. where i need if i want to learn how to fight a byleth i know exactly where to go it's so easy mm -hmm. now i'm like how the hell do i play this game tekken it just changed my perspective on everything it's very nice to be a newcomer uh, at something and try to go through the steps it gives you really good perspective so when back to commentary back when i i was watching like i don't know i'll watch evo top eight sure why not if i want to mm -hmm. watch the tekken uh, evo top eight those commentators do a great job appealing to everybody and that's what gave me that perspective is like dude i've been in that position before i've been there before you know I, i've been a new face in that scene i don't want them talking about frames you know i don't want them you know overwhelming yeah. me with information mm -hmm. They make the game seem easy to understand and digest. So therefore, I think the game's more approachable, the scene's more approachable, and I'm more willing to play the game, which is what you want, right? Like that's kind of the ultimate goal or one of the goals of, of commentary for sure. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, the development of the of the Smash scene, I think, is a very interesting one. For a lot of people, we've sort of talked about it. It's like, it, 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 you know, it is, it is like a community. There's the local ones, there's the friends you meet in it, and then there's that broader side. You know, from your experience, you know, following and being a part of other FGCs or other esports in general, uh, do you think that, that something can, can potentially be lost in that, like as things become more commercialized, or is there is there are the player base always going to be strong enough to to still be a, a you know strong and, and integrated community? Yeah, I think there's always like I think people use the term like sell your soul or whatever. Like I think that's I think so. I think the grass is always greener, right? Like in terms of what we have now, our community, we set the rules, the stage mm -hmm. list, uh, how many people can enter, what the format is, two out of three, the characters, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, when you start partnering with other people and especially people who might have goals that don't perfectly align with your own because, you know, they're similar, but, you know, a little different, who knows what that means for future rule sets or tournaments or prizes or any of that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. what do you prioritize and what do you focus on? So I think when you look at something like if Capcom makes a decision, uh, that's how the tournaments are going to be run. Like these Capcom Cup qualifiers, that's how you do it and all that stuff. And they obviously have a lot to gain by doing and creating rules and, um, tournaments yeah. that are good for the community and that will be well received by the community. Mm -hmm. um, Nintendo in the past has had a hard time um, perfectly connecting with the competitive scene. They've done like item on tournaments and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's like it's like close but no cigar. You yeah, know what I mean like so close. Um, they do a lot of really cool stuff too. Like their production's really good. Um, they did one of these crew battles at PAX where everyone had like matching like smash jerseys that they gave, which is like, oh, really? there's That's some good. super, there's some super sick shit that they mm -hmm. do, but people don't talk about it because they're so upset about yeah. everything else because they kind of missed the mark on some other things. So it's like, it needs to truly be a collaboration. Like this is, you know, we're doing it for the community and we're doing it this mm -hmm. way and you know, it is what it is. So I think since we're grassroots, we get to kind of run things the way we want. It's determined by individual TOs or a group of TOs or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now you add in, you know, another factor and you might uh, realize that, you know, grass might've been greener on the other side. You never know. You never know. So when things become commercialized, um, I think in general in life, like that's just something you see where it's too many, you know, big billboards and stuff. It loses the feel of, you know, big cities and fun places to visit. Mm -hmm. If it's just all, it's not like, you know, big skyscrapers and all that stuff. It's just, you know, you kind of lose that feeling of, of what you were part of. So it's, I, there's also something to be gained too. And something we've all wanted for a long time is to get more yeah. outreach. If something's officially done by Nintendo, that's huge outreach and it's good for the scene because more people will see us and want to be a part of it. So it's huge. What do you do? I, it's, it's a complicated question. There's a lot of avenues that can yeah. go down for sure. It could be a seamless, it could be a seamless partnership too, where they go, yes, you guys are on the tournaments. We'll do this and we'll check in and that's it. You know, like that's it. So you never know. Yeah, I think um, I think I think it is a, a very good, <clears throat> excuse me, a very good sort of. Uh, like I, I think I've said it several times, like a good positive outlook for where where the smash scene, uh, where the smash scene is going. Uh, and I'm sort of interested. Like I guess uh, probably be my my uh, my last question. But you know, recently we had the Smash World Tour, and um, Pyramid for aside, it was a great tournament. Um, <laughs> 
Um, and Sonic and Sonic and Sonic and Sonic and Olimar. No me brawlers, which was tragic. <laughs> Where's Rizzy Assey, man? Tragic's what? That's one word. That's one word for it. <laughs> Cheers. So Smash World Tour, obviously big international tournament from someone who you know isn't from NA and is part of the Smash uh, scene. It was really great to see. It's super fun to watch. You know, smaller scenes. Like obviously, you know, Europe's been exploding recently, but you know, we're still we're not we're not NA. Uh, it's been interesting. It's been really. It was really exciting to see. You know, our players there, as in anyone who isn't Gluto. First of all, Gluto, one of my favorite players to watch ever. But it's really fun just to watch like. For me, Pelly from the UK, that was, you know, it's it, 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 it's surreal almost. Uh, and then getting to see like South America was really interesting. Like Central Asia was really cool as well. Um, how do you think this is sort of going to be like the first like spark? Maybe it's going to change like the, the course of the smash scene to becoming more internationally focused. Is that something that you think you're going to see going forward? Because I think a lot of the time there is an attitude by you Americans, you know, to write off all of our super cool and yeah. amazing smash scenes. Fair enough. No, I, I think that's completely fair. And I think um, you see it all the time because it's like when I was commentating, because uh, we did a lot of Smash World Tour online. So you, you get in there and it's like, dude, I've never heard of these scenes. I've never heard of these players. I don't really know what to expect. Then you see some sick shit. And you're like, whoa, like yeah. this is this is really cool. And it, it just kind of opens your your perspective up a little bit that, you know, there could be some big upsets caused at Smash World Tour. And I think that was kind of the spirit of the whole thing um, was let's really find out who the best is and let's really mm -hmm. find out who can hold their own and who's really that strong is na the best just because that's where all the tournaments are so that's where all the players are so that's just what we think mm -hmm. or is it actually true and you know see how all the other regions kind of stack up here so i think um the perspective was narrow in general in the smash scene that na is just you know it's it's the home of, of all, everything Smash Ultimate and, you know, mostly Smash 4 too. Mm -hmm. But man, there's been more exposure. And VG, again, is doing such a good job. Pretty sure they partner with a lot of the EU tournaments too. Yeah, to they broadcast do. everything. It's been one of their goals. So shout outs to the VG really for, again, shrinking the world and bringing everyone closer together. But also doing the Japan tournaments too. Um, and not, this is not a plug, but also outlets like Tweet Talks. Like we cover all the, we watch all the tournaments together, you know. Well, a lot of them, not not every single one. You yeah. Know, but, those Japan tournaments are three in the morning. So sometimes we miss them or whatever. No, it's such a good time to watch them mm -hmm. together and recap on the show and just talk about them. And the more people talk about them, the more other people want to check it out. And the more it's like, the more content there is, the better. I think everyone can agree with that. So yeah. it's really great to see. And obviously like one of the biggest X factors is just the COVID situation and how quickly we can work to a safer times and all that good shit. So once that's settled, I think that's the trend that we're going in, which I love to see. And a lot of it is too, is I love what the EU scene did. Um, I've always been an EU scene fan. Like you guys have great personalities, really good players, all that. You guys have everything basically. Really good commentators too. I love a lot of your commentary haters. Oh yeah. My man, Viram, of course, number <laughs> one, but you know, I love Ramsey's too. You got a oh, lot yeah. of good, every time I tune in, it's nice. Maybe maybe it's an accent thing, it's, but you it's, know what? It's the, I like it's it, the French know? commentators. The French commentators, specifically when oh, they're, they're speaking in French, is the best thing in the world. I don't know what they're saying, but the vibes? Smooth. I like it a lot. I agree. Very hype. Very good. Well, and- I like it because you guys were like, well, we can either fly to NA for every tournament or fuck it. We'll host our own. We'll start mm -hmm. doing it. Now you're doing it in football stadiums and all this other so, shit. And it's just, so it's amazing cool. to see. It really is to see a scene that for such a long time always was just like, felt like it was just under repped and didn't really have anything really big to look forward to. Like it had beasts and all these other things, but even yeah. then they weren't big. Now it's like, I've never been jealous of an EU tournament before, but now I'm like, shit, I am all the time. It happens all the time where I'm like, shit, I am jealous of this. This is crazy. This is so cool. Which you love to see. It's You'll have to come out and visit again. I would love to. You I've been to. talking about it for so long. Once once I get a chance, I definitely will. Um, that'd be mm -hmm. so much fun, obviously. So yeah, we'll plan something. That'd be great. You, you'd, you'd be welcome anytime, I'm very sure. And on that incredibly uh, uh, exciting and interesting note, uh, I am going to have to say, Hazmat, thank you so much for coming on. Now, you said that you speaking up, speaking up Tweet Talks was not a plug, and it wasn't a plug because now's the time where I plug you. <laughs> so, uh, at okay. Hazmat Rules with two Ts on Twitter, of course, Twitch.tv slash Hazmat, and of course, Hazmat on uh, Medify as well. I would recommend checking out everything that this, this, this beautiful bearded man does. Uh, it is all great <laughs> stuff. Uh, if you're new to the Smash scene uh, and you've just enjoyed hearing, you know, hearing us talk about it, Check it out. Go to your locals. See what's going on. Uh, and yeah, just follow follow Hazmat Rules on Twitter. Um, he is a great representative for the Smash scene. I think he's a really good um, positive voice for everything that we have. And I think he's a good representative for what a uh, 
what, what the community can do for people. Man, wow. Thanks so much. Appreciate the plug. And don't forget to check out Hitbox here, guys. You already know what it is. You got the bounce. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hitbox, take care of your hands. Take care of your results. Get it done in bracket, in and out of bracket. I don't know. I'm just going to I'm, 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 I'm gonna cut that ad and just put it in like every like 10 minutes into the video. <laughs> just like constantly. <laughs> Hitbox, I love it. Dude, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. It was, it was great talking to you. Hey, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to do it again sometime. It's been great. And uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful future. Subscribe, like, Twitter, uh, other places. It's all fun and it's all good. Thanks for watching, everyone. See you around. Either it's a uh, huge, massive 60 million, 100 million. That I've seen it on the news that some guy with pink hair won a million quid last week uh, or, you know, dollars. <laughs> um, isn't that, he, won, he won a million of that Pokemon trader who just won LMBN. That's crazy. Um, that's a terrible joke. <laughs> Something almost uh, he almost won a million, right? Quinn, didn't he? Oh, million, I see what you did. You did a uh, gotcha, gotcha. awful, awful. We're, we we cut that anyway. Mixing, mixing me up. Yep, yep. <laughs> what? That's why we don't do it live. That's why we don't do it live. Do I like live. this. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm saying like this. It's a real. It's a um. It's like it's like improv, you know. But we're both functional yeah. human beings with lives. Um, <laughs> I saw um, actually. Uh, you know, like, do you know the comedian Mike Birbiglia? Do you know him? He's not. He's like pretty popular. Don't but think huge. so. May, I, pro I might recognize he, face, but I haven't got name. It's funny you say that and kind of take a shot at people who do improv because he did a whole um, independent movie about the improv scene and being in it and like when someone starts to make it. It was really interesting, actually. But I mean, what you said is it kind of holds true in that movie, even coming from the perspective of someone who mm -hmm. um, grew up and did a lot of improv. It was cool. So check it out sometime. I forget what he called it, but do. Mike Birbiglia, great, great comedian. I love, love comedians. So oh, yeah. like the first thing I did once, um, once like the uh, pandemic stuff let up a little bit, you know, when we were allowed mm -hmm. to do stuff for like those four or five months, um, went and saw two comedians live actually and had a great time um i never realized how much i love i love comedy it's always been a part of my life so yeah. i guess that kind of sinks into the mm -hmm. um commentary stuff but yeah it's it, i never really really realized that but i went to the movie i love movies I, i've known this forever though obvious i love the movies went to the <laughs> movies went and uh saw some comedians went out there and did some stuff so really that's pretty cool to go out yeah, yeah. i mean never realized how much that entertainment side of things meant to me until it was mm -hmm. fully taken away um, yeah. by the COVID stuff. And it's like, mm -hmm. and everyone's like, dude, just watch the movies at home, download them. I'm like, no, I need to sit in the theater. I need to be by other people. I need to yeah. feel the reaction. Like I love being in movie theaters and watching movies like that. And my advice always, this, you got to try this. This is, this is real. This is making the okay. cut. We'll cut okay. this out. This is, maybe, I'm taking maybe notes. you cut it. Nope, maybe it's going cut in. It just so it's, it stays, so it stays between us. But it's going, it's going in. You have, you have total editorial control here. You know, you can have whatever you want in this. <laughs> when you next time you want to see a movie, like really want to see a movie, go and see it in the morning. Go see a ten o'clock showing. Mm. Go see a nine thirty and ten eleven. And the thing is, you get a cup of coffee. All right, tea, you sit, tea, you watch tea. a movie or tea. Yep, absolutely true, true, true. <laughs> Tea sounds whatever whatever your cup of tea is, right? No pun there. Now I got bad puns. Uh, but whatever your cup of tea on, is, on, you sit there. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot heavy out of the editing for this one. Um, but you go there, you watch a movie, you have uh, the full day ahead of you afterwards. So you mm -hmm. go in the movie theater, it's it's bright outside, you know, the sun's out. You leave the movie theater, it's still you have a full day ahead of mm -hmm. you. Usually you go and see a movie at night, and that's like kind of the end of the night. Or yeah, maybe go out and get a drink or two, and then that's it. But this, I'm telling you, man, go and see a movie during mm -hmm. the day it is one of my favorite experiences yeah. in life for sure. It's great. I, I, I think that is a good idea, to be fair. I would say, like I went to watch Spider-Man recently, and that was that was pretty good. Nice. I loved it. I loved it so much. It was a real like um because yeah. I, I was like a big Spider-Man fan. I've say I've always been a big Spider-Man fan. Uh, like even the Andrew Garfield movies, which I didn't like, I was still like, I was still into it. Uh, and oh, Andrew Garfield was so great coming back. I was, I loved oh, yeah. him. He was so good. And Willem Dafoe was, was clearly amazing. having a great time, which is like, <laughs> he, was, he was loving it. One thing I heard, and I, I don't remember if I, it's one of those things I can't remember if I read it myself or someone told me it, mm -hmm. whatever, either way. But I heard that one of the things Willem Dafoe said he really wanted to do in that movie was, um, to ditch the Green Goblin mask so he could really emote mm. and express with his face, which obviously are some of the most the the biggest standout scenes in that movie are, yeah. are him doing that. So I thought that's that was really, really cool. true. 
I think yeah. I think that makes I, a lot of sense because obviously he's such a talented actor. Like it was almost it's almost a shame that he was like hidden behind. Obviously a, a great mask, but I think like I think it was yeah it was really nice to see how much he was just thriving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh I think the character Green Goblin like it's so important to be able to see that mm-hmm. very human side and then how much it changes to not just when you put on or take off the mask, but like yeah. which is obviously you know. Uh, you know, metaphor as well in itself, you know, putting on, same with all superheroes when you put on the mask, even Spider-Man, like you put on the mask, mm-hmm. become someone else, whatever. But it's like with him, it's like you saw this really nice and great and gentle side and then you yeah. saw a twist, which was just mm-hmm. insane and great performance, good writing, all, all oh, that yeah. shit just really helped it out. Yeah, I think I think the new one actually did really well, like um, the whole like Jekyll and Hyde aspect, like the two personalities. I thought the original, like yeah. it, it obviously had it in, but I don't know. It didn't feel as integral to the character in my memory. Whereas watching this one, I was like, I get it. I don't know. I, I think maybe, maybe it's because it was more fresh in my head, but I really think Willem Dafoe nailed the like switch. Maybe because it's a little bit older and they sort of like, you know, what's anime was like, he's a little bit slow. It, like that clicked with me. And I was like, Oh God, like it's real. Yeah. I think um I think two superhero movies have come a long way like and uh to Tobey Maguire and those early Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. The first real Marvel movie though was Blade. Put some respect on Wesley Snipes' name. Amazing amazing Marvel movie. Very 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 good. I've but the thing Blade. is is the so obviously you had it's dude it's it was actually great. It's like, before it my time. It's before my time. So what good. can I say? Yeah. It's it's an older movie for sure it is. But the um uh the uh and i want to say andrew garfield no uh, toby Maguire spider-man movies were great but they were like mostly popcorn flicks you know what i mean you go there's action romance yeah. like all that kind it was of it was sam Hollywood raimi stuff. like his style is always yeah. super you know bodacious incredible fun right and they were great and obviously genre setting and, and all that good stuff but the thing is is that superhero movies have evolved since then mm-hmm. um especially the dark knight trilogy i mean any of these superhero movies even the avengers got pretty dark and deep at some points mm-hmm. like it just oh yeah kind of went further than um they've just evolved a little bit you know what i mean not that the other ones weren't great and brilliant and didn't have some yeah, of those it's elements different. it's just they've changed yeah they've, mm-hmm. they've improved in my opinion but you know oh, yeah. as as things should as as they you know grow that leads in perfectly right, to one thing I want to talk about uh, in terms of Smash commentary. We're jumping all over the place here, but who cares? So, oh boy, um, yeah, that's in... my style. That's my style, dude. Oh, it's, Welcome. It's mine as well. I, I got no clue what's going on. So, so very quick side note. So, like I said, I used to live in America. But actually, <laughs> I've only lived in the UK for about seven or eight years because I grew up in Asia for a lot of my life uh, when I was oh, wow. a wee lad, just dad's job. Uh, so the only channels we had on TV, apart from ones that were in, you know, Mandarin, uh, were like Discovery and History. So I was, nice. I was like developed on Storage Wars and American Pickers. Uh, nice. love that crap. Easy, That's, easy best shows are, ever. I call those, uh, those are like dad nap shows. Like you watch them, uh, you know, when you're ready to take a dad nap at like 2 PM, you know, mow the lawn, watch some Storage Wars and take a oh, dad yeah. nap. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But imagine me and I'm like eight years old and I'm yeah, like, exactly, yeah. oh my God, I hope <laughs> with my little American accent. No, no Power Rangers. No, nope. You get Brandy. I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers. My mom thought it was too violent. And you know what? Really? Screw you, mom. I'm going to go watch it after this. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I'll send her this clip. My She'll mom was it. fun. My my mom was funny with like that stuff growing up because she wouldn't let us. Uh, my cousin, same guy who got me into Street Fighter and fighting mm-hmm. games and all that stuff. Uh, he brought over Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, which had all the blood and the fatalities and stuff where Mortal Kombat 1, they kind of censored mm-hmm. it on Super yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. But he brought over Mortal Kombat 2 and my mom saw it and she's like, she wanted to draw a line, obviously, because it was a very violent video game. And especially the way the news was talking about it. it yeah, was like, this yeah. Is really bad, you know? So she didn't know what to do. So she was like, well, I don't want them to not hang out with their cousins. So she's like, you guys can't play it but you can watch it and i was like okay so she would leave the room and my cousin the second she'd leave the room he'd do the bloodiest fatalities like yo check this out and he'd cut someone like right in half and i was like Look at whoa <laughs> mom you didn't do anything i was like that didn't help at all i was like it just yeah. encouraged us to look at the worst thing so yeah. always funny looking <laughs> my my mom, my mom was always like really selective it was always kind of random because like i would watch like transformers which i would say is equally violent to like power rangers and things like that but the best thing I remember, oh, once again, so off topic. But um, so my mom was always like, if she wanted to stop us, like, I don't know, like eating a certain thing or like, 
getting us off of something, she would she would lie was basically her strategy. And a great story I've got yeah. is about Lucky Charms, right? We used to we used to we used to snort that shit, right? It was crack to, to little yeah, Q, yeah. little Eva, and little Mia. Um, <laughs> we we loved it. We went crazy. And my and one day my sister was a bit ill. I think she'd had an allergic reaction to something, but like something totally random. Uh, and my mum and my said to her, you know what this is? You know what this is, Eva? You're allergic to the food dye in Lucky Charms marshmallows. And yep. because it was so specific until, let's say, a year ago, we totally believed it. <laughs> I, I never questioned it. I am 21. I was like, yeah, I mean, my sister's allergic to marshmallows. That's why I haven't had one in like 10 years. Hey man, you know, if you're gonna come over, keep those lucky charms out of our house. And your friends are like, <laughs> and like that's when you realize it was it's always checking with your friends where you'd realize your parents were just full of shit. Because yeah. it was easier to just say something like that rather than, well, listen, like want you guys to develop healthy habits. It's like, all right, parents usually from my experience at least, usually have your best interests in, in heart. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, yeah. I think I got pretty lucky in that department. Um, <laughs> even if they don't know how to show it, or even if they try to take a shortcut, like you just said. Yeah, for sure. It, it was with your best interests in heart, right? So but it's always funny to see those things like it's your friends so are like, good. what do you mean the lucky charms are poisonous? It's like, wait, what? You didn't hear? <laughs> poisonous, don't eat them. You know, it's good stuff. Oh my God. 